James chapter 1, not because of the length, you know, for sure, but I will try to be mindful. I know it's been a busy week for many of you, and it was a busy and long day as well. Um, James chapter 1, we're going to come, we've come down to the end of our series, and uh, we are done with our verse-by-verse exposition of the book of James, um, but I, I and I, as I was trying to figure out how to wrap this up, um, I was trying to figure out, okay, well, what would James want us to be reminded of? What's the one big picture item in this book? Because there are all kinds of ideas, there are all kinds of subjects that he's broached, and, and all of them are practical, all of them are helpful. Uh, if, we, if we were to go back to chapter one, we could look at temptations and testings and how we ought to be mature, we ought to grow in our ability to handle the trials of life and and we ought to grow in our ability to treat people impartially and, and, and to treat everybody the same because he deals with that in chapter 2. And chapter 3, it, we ought to learn how to grow up and control our tongue, which some of it, we probably could have just done a whole series on the tongue because that's something we all struggle with. Uh, we could have uh, re- rehashed or reiterated how we need to stay away from uh, the worldly mindsets and worldly wisdom because he deals with that. How we need to be careful about riches and, and how we endure the difficulties and inflictions of life and how we pray effectively and how we ought to be involved in search and rescue. Those are all things that we dealt with in the last um, a little bit over a year. These are all areas that James has challenged us to grow up in and they're all valid they're all important and and if we say we have faith I was I just went back to the idea the title of the series which is faith works and if we say that we have faith it should be visible it should be evident and by the way it can be a short message if you will respond uh, with an amen. Make sure that I'm awake tonight, okay? So um, uh, if, so just be engaged. Do your best to jump in. And if I was to summarize the book of James and the point that I think James would want us to get, I would go back to chapter 1 and I would look at our response to God's word one more time. I, I would imagine that James, that's what he wants us to get the most. So James chapter 1, we'll begin reading in verse 18 and read down through verse 25. Go ahead and stand um, in honor of the scripture this, this evening. James chapter 1, verse 18, it says, Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, and I started in verse 18 because he talks about the power of the word to give us new birth. And the word has power to give us new birth, doesn't it? There you go, amen, okay. It has power to give us new birth. Without it, we would not be born again. And then he says, wherefore, knowing that God's word has that kind of power, then brethren, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, there's another one, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls but be ye, what's the word? Doers of the word and not hearers only. What's the next word? Deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass 
for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a, what's the word? Doer of the work, this man shall be, what's the word? Blessed in his deed. And if I was to summarize the main words, and that's you do that when you study a scripture, a passage of scripture, you go through and you try to highlight the most important words. And the words that I would highlight here are doer and hearer, deceived and blessed. Doer, hearer, deceived and blessed. Because there's a connection between us as hearers and being deceived and us as doers and being blessed. And I just want to remind you tonight of all the things we've talked about in the book of James, the most important one is how you respond to God's word. It's not about hearing. It's about hearing and doing. Just like we talked about this morning, if you will hear and do, you will build on a foundation that lasts. And I don't, I mean, of all the people that should get this, it should be us. But there's a reason that very often it's God's people that miss it because we hear so much. And I just want to remind you tonight about the importance. Don't miss the main thing in the book of James. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to preach your word. And I know we're tired and yet the very point I'm making is what we're going to be struggling with tonight that the word has such power and it's so important that we can never gather, gather together and, and not make it a priority, not take it seriously. Tonight, help us to practice literally what we're preaching and help us to take seriously your word and bless the reading of it. I pray that you bless our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Um, have you ever had somebody that maybe is giving you directions, for instance? Now, I, I mean, some of us don't need to get directions. I, I'm talking um, hypothetically speaking, there are some in this room that need directions from time to time or all the time. Um, those of us with an internal GPS, you know, we don't have to ask, right, guys? Are there any women in here who say, I have an internal GPS? Okay, a couple of you. All right, good. Um, but every guy will say it whether or not it's true. <laughs> have you ever asked somebody for directions and, and you, okay, you're saying, okay, just tell me where it's at. And so they start giving you directions and it's something like this. Okay, you go down to the second light. Now, the first light is, is that's where McDonald's is, and they've got a two-for-one right now on Big Macs. You don't want to stop there. I mean, you may be tempted to stop there, but don't stop there. Go to the second light. The second light's the one you want, and on the left side of the road, um, there's a laundromat. On, actually, on the right side of the road, they just put up a new car wash, and, and right now, they have this deal going that if you'll stop in, they'll give you a, a monthly subscription to the car wash for $10 a month for the first three months. You ought to check that out, but that's not what you, you don't want to turn that way. You want to turn left on the second light. Are you with me? Okay. And, and, and this is how they give directions. Say, so once you turn left on the second light, you're going to go about 10 blocks 
maybe it actually it may be about eight blocks but I don't know, sometimes they count blocks weird in Sioux Falls. And so it could be a, a whole block, but because there's an alley right there, then maybe it splits right in the middle. And you're not really sure if it's a whole block. So it could be eight, it could be 10, or maybe it's even 12. And on, I mean, if you go too far, you'll be in the river. So don't do that. You ever had somebody give you directions like that? What do you want to say? Just Give me the basics. Go to the second light and turn left. Go 10 blocks and turn right. You'll see it on the right. But some people can't help, help but give you lots of details. Sometimes when my kids are telling me stories or they're trying to tell me something that happened, at about halfway through the discourse, I'm like, stop, stop. Just tell me what happened because they're giving you details and going through all that. Now, guys, men, we are just give me the basics. Ladies, if they give you, a, they're going to tell you every detail. And so, men, if you ask a question, be ready because you're going to get the whole story all day. My, I'll come home and my wife will be like, how was your day? It was like, it was good. And it's like, oh, do I ask? How was your day? She's like, well, at 813, Jace came in. And I get every detail. It's awesome. I don't know how she remembers it all. But don't you sometimes just want to say, just give me the basics? If I'm going to do that tonight with the book of James, I want to just give you the basics. I don't want to get bogged down in details. I just want to tell you this from right up front. If there's one lesson we all need to hear from the book of James, it's this. Your response to God's word might be the most important relationship in your life. Now, the most important relationship you have is with God himself, but he reveals himself through his word. He speaks to us. The Holy Spirit uh, illuminates his word and speaks to us through his word. But see, we get so used to hearing, read your Bible, pray every day that we forget this is our lifeline. This is where maturity comes from. This is how you build a life that lasts. This is how you build on a foundation that won't fall. I don't know if you heard about this. I-95 near Philadelphia. Just today there was a tanker that, that somehow had an issue at an overpass and blew up and set fire. And literally, I mean, you're talking I-95, one of the main north-south corridors on the eastern, in the eastern uh, part of the United States. And uh, the whole, the whole over, uh, overpass section basically melted and fell down because this tanker set fire. And, you know, you would look at an overpass like that and you'd say, that's never coming down. And yet the, the, the fire, the heat of that tanker brought it down. It, you know, we think there are things in life that, are, that you can't, you're not going to be able to tear me down. I'm not going to fall. I will remain standing. But if you ever get to the place in your life that you're no longer leaning on God's word for your daily decisions and your, your, your daily practical wisdom, then you are more vulnerable than that overpass was that looked so strong. You need God's word every day. And you don't just need to read it. You need to, you need to study it. You need to look at it and gain, gain insight. And, and not just on a surface level, but, but dig in. You do know that anybody can look deeply into God's word. There are resources. Now, you don't even have to have a good library to, to study God's word and dig deep. Because there are resources online for everybody. I just want to point out today that if you are going to be a mature Christian, 
then your relationship with God's word is absolutely essential. And so James, that's what he's trying to tell us. And he starts by saying the best gift that you've ever been given is salvation. I mean, I've had some good gifts in my life and I've had some people give me some very thoughtful things. Nothing touches eternal life. And, and he's, he starts by saying, you know, you've, you've gone through these trials and you've gone through these temptations and you've dealt with these difficulties. This begins, um, you know, in verse 12, 13, he's talking about enduring temptations and they were feeling like God had forsaken them. And James comes along and he says, no, I'd want to remind you that you have some really good gifts from God. God, and the idea that he gave them, we talked about this a while back, is that um, God is good and his gifts are good enough for me. God is good and his gifts are good enough for me. And what James was telling them is, in the middle of your trials, in the middle of your temptations, don't lose sight of the fact that God has given you everything that you need. You don't have to chase temptation. You don't have to chase lust. You have everything that you need in the gifts that God has given you. And by the way, let's talk about the most important gift, he says, in verse 18. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be kind of a first fruits of his creatures. He says, if you're wondering if God still gives good gifts, just think about the fact that you're saved. You've been born again. And you were born again by his word. And not only were you born again, but he says but that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And by that he means God doesn't just save you. God, he sets you up to be like a trophy. He wants you in your life to show everybody else the kind of difference God's word can make in you. He says, I want you to be first fruits. I want you to show the world the difference God's word can make. That's what we get at salvation. And listen, he says, it's of his own will begat he us through the word of truth. God's word, if God's word can do that for you, if it can save you, if it can make you born again, and if it can turn you into some kind of an example of the kind of God that's in heaven, but walking right here in this vessel, if God's word can do that for you, then you need to pay attention to God's word. If God's word has that kind of power, then you need to pay attention. And he tells us then our first job is take it seriously. Listen to God's word. When, when it's preached, when it's taught, your role is to hear God's word. And he says, some of you aren't hearing God's word because you have hindrances in your lives. And, and he talks about some of you are too quick to speak when you should be listening. And that's a good lesson for us. I'm not going to get into all that again. But rather than talking, you ought to listen, he says. Rather than speaking, you ought to take some time and just hear. And that's a good practice when you're reading your Bible, by the way. Sometimes we're so busy with everything else, it's good for us just to read something and then just listen. Not that God speaks audibly, but through his word, the Holy Spirit illuminates God's word and and helps us to see things. And sometimes it's good to just listen, spiritually. And he says, you, some of you are too quick to speak and you need to just be quiet and listen. And not only that, some of you are, are quick to anger. And, and I, I took that to mean that there are times when God's word comes to us and rather than receive it, we get mad because we don't like what it's saying. I mean, I, I can tell you this, I've preached before and made people angry at preaching God's word. 
I, I mean, I, I've, I've clearly uh, seen them becoming angry. And if you've preached at all for any length of time, it's probably happened to you too. And what James says is stop talking and stop getting angry and just listen. Because God's word, if it can save you and turn you into a trophy of God's grace, it can help you to grow. That's what he's saying. So what he says is you ought to be hungry for it. You ought to be eager for God's word. We should come in like if we don't eat, we're not going to make it. It's like teenage boys when they come in for a meal. You know, I remember that old movie, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Anybody ever seen that old movie? My mom used to make me watch it. <laughs> that first night, you know, she gets up there and she doesn't know he's got six brothers. And, and she makes this great meal and puts it on the table and goes and rings the bell, the triangle. And they come running. They're jumping over the table. They're stepping on the table. They're knocking food everywhere. And, and they don't really care that she went to all this length, these lengths to make food for them. They're just slopping it around, and, and she talks of, she calls them pigs, actually. Well, you know, you've, ever, you've, ever, you've seen a teenage boy when he's hungry. You know, uh, we, I always make fun of the Lawson boys because of how much pizza they can eat when they go to Pizza Ranch. It's like a badge of honor, and they're like, you know what? We're not going to eat for the next two hours so we can save up our appetite for Pizza Ranch. Me, I'm like, I'm not going to eat all day. Maybe I can get six pieces. They're like, I haven't eaten in two hours. I'm going to get 26. I mean, literally, you think I'm joking, right, brother? We're not joking, are we? I mean, it's real. You know, that's how we ought to be when it comes to God's word. We ought to be eager. We ought to be hungry for it. We ought to be ready for it. We ought to be thinking, I need this. This is the only thing that, that stands between me and spiritual death. And, and our mentality for, toward God's word ought to be hunger. But let me tell you this. We come in very often. We're not eager for God's word. Very often when we come in, um, we're like, oh boy, here we go again. You know, and I just want to say this, if you don't fan the flames of, of eagerness for God's work on Thursday and Friday and Saturday, you're not going to be hungry when you come to eat on Sunday. And, and it, listen, and I know not every message is a home run, and I know not every message is even maybe a single. I know some messages are strikeouts, but if God's word is being, even if it's just being read, there's some power in God's word that should be enough for you to want to come and hear it. And if you're not eating on your own between services, no wonder you're not hungry when it's time to hear preaching and it's time to hear teaching. Yeah, we come distracted too. Our minds, listen, our minds are fed with countless distractions all week. And I just want to say this, how can we expect to come and, and, and be excited and eager about the declaration of God's word if 95% if of the week we're spending it taking in entertainment? I'm telling you this, I can't compete with, with Netflix. I, I'm nowhere as entertaining as what you're watching or listening to the rest of the week. And sometimes I think it'd be good for just us just to take a break for an entertainment. We might find that we appreciate the things like the preaching of the word a little bit more. Because you're not sitting there thinking, boy, preacher, entertain me. This is really getting old. You know, I can't compete with it. 
I don't want to compete with it. I don't want, to, want it to be an entertaining preacher. All I've been asked to do is preach the word and, 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 and give you what I think it says and ask God to help me to understand what it says. And, and not every message from James is going to be a Thanksgiving feast. Sometimes it's going to be a salad and sometimes it might even be broccoli. But listen, we need a well-balanced diet. We need all of it. You can't, I, I would want to, but you can't eat ice cream all the time. Especially Stenslin's. You'll, you'll be broke in about two weeks. You know, for some of these folks, they were eating it up and they were ready to receive it. Uh, but here's the thing, you can't receive the word unless you make room for it. And we come and we're full. He says, lay aside all the filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. And the reason that God can't fill your cup is because your cup is full of dirt. William Barclay explains that the word for filthiness is repose, which it, when used in a medical sense, it literally means wax in the ear. I've made the mistake of letting my kids borrow my AirPods a few times. They've never met a Q-tip, some of them, when they're little. Never again. You know, but that's what James says. He says, you're so filled with superfluity of naughtiness. He says, it's, the, the word is wax in the ear. And the reason we come and we're not eager and we're not hungry, we're not getting anything of it, out of it is because our ears are full of spiritual wax. And, and, and the word of God can't penetrate a dirty heart. And it it's like cleaning a vacuum filter. If it's not clean, it, you can't finish the work. And if you've got a cup full of dirt, you can't fill it up with fresh water and take a drink. And, and I've said this very often lately, but I think we ought to get in the habit of doing business with God before we come onto the property. I mean, how many services have we not worshipped because we weren't prepared spiritually? And how many times have we heard the word and God was trying to get a hold of us, but he couldn't because our ears are full of spiritual wax and our hearts are full of the dirt of the weak. Listen, I mean, how much more might God do if you do business before you ever get to Eastside? I mean, on the way, in your car, in your, in your home, before you get in the car, just stop and do business and surrender and ask God to show you something that's in your heart that might prevent you from hearing God's word. You know, he says this superfluity of naughtiness, this abundance of evil, it's all over us. We see it and we hear it. It fills us up all week long. And there's no, no wonder then you can't get anything from God's word. He's, he says, that, but the word is able to save your souls. He goes back to salvation. He says, receive with meekness um, that which is able to save your souls. Essentially, and, and if, uh, tonight, if you believe nothing else about God's word, you ought to believe that if it can save me, it can do anything else I need it to. Uh, if God's word can save you, there's nothing it can't do in your life. And, and the point is, he says, receive with meekness the engrafted Word, He says engrafted. Engrafted is a, is a gardening term and it means implanted. He's talking about a seed. And let me just ask you this. What's the desired end of a seed? It's to produce, to produce fruit or to produce a plant. And here we are, at the, even in James chapter 1, and he's making the point of the whole book. He says the word of God is like a seed. And when the seed is planted on the right kind of soil, it can produce fruit. It can produce works. It can produce evidence. And listen, you will not produce works in your life if you don't know how to receive the word of God.
And some of us, we're not producing because we're not receiving. We're not producing because God's word is, is, is falling on, on hard ground or we've got weeds or there's rocks. It's like Brother J Jeremy's message from a couple months ago about the kind of soil and the fruitfulness of seed is dependent on the condition of the soil. And the reason that there's no production, the reason there's no works is because in your heart you've got all these other things competing and God's word isn't able to, to take root. And, but here, I just want to point out, he says, hearing must lead to doing. If all you're doing is hearing, you are missing the whole point. Be doers of the word, not hearers only. Jesus told his disciples, you are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. He said in John, uh, 1 John 2, hereby we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. And as I said when I preached this the last time... It's kind of, it's the difference between auditing a class and enrolling in a class. And auditing a class, the word audit is a, is a term for hearing. And if you audit a college class, which I've done before, maybe some of you have done, if you audit a class, you have no obligation to take a test. You have no obligation to take a quiz. You have no obligation to turn in projects. Your teacher, if it's a college level course, likely doesn't even care that you come. Because auditors are there to simply hear. And that's why I don't like the term auditorium. And, I'm, and I, last time I tried to, get help to, to say we should change the name to, of this. It's not an auditorium. It's a duatorium. <laughs> we're not here to hear it. We're here to do something. It, it didn't catch on. So we're just going to call it a sanctuary. But I still think we ought to be doing. That's what James says. And, and some of us were not enrolled. Some of us are auditing. Meaning we show up and there's no obligation to produce. There's no ministry involvement. There's no responsibility. There's no weekly engagement. You're, only, you're here uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night maybe. And not always even that. But never at, during the week are you here for anything else. We come, we hear, we leave. We come, we hear, we leave. And there's never anything produced that somebody would look at and say, oh, those are works that faith produced. Hearing should produce doing. A sermon, and I, I said this last time, but it's so, it's so helpful to me. A sermon isn't finished at the final amen. A sermon isn't finished until you do something with it. See here, and, I, and write this down because I thought it was good. Listen, you don't have to, but if you want to, go ahead. Okay, don't be a hearer only. Um, amen. Amen is the finish line for the hearer. But amen is the starting gun for the doer. When we finish our service and somebody says a final amen, for the hearer, there's the ribbon, finish line. For the doer, it's time to go. And we have too many, and I'm including myself in this because I've sat and listened to preaching for Many years as a, as a church member. Too many of us. Soon as amen is said, we're done. 
What James is saying is that's when the fun is just starting. And if you hear the final amen and you think, okay, it's time to go, that's the mentality James wants you to have. You have two options. You can hear and leave and be deceived, or you can hear and do and be blessed. That's the message that I think if James was saying, okay, take out all the details, remove everything else, all the extraneous things, anything extra, I don't want to hear anything else, just tell me what I need to know. Bottom shelf, get down to brass tacks, what do I need to do? Here's what James would say, stop being a hearer and be a doer. Apply God's word. Leave this place with a plan. And this is something many of us got at men's advance. Uh, when you're taking notes or you're hearing a message, don't just write notes for information. As you're writing notes, think, what can I do with these notes? What does this look like tomorrow? How do I take this and do something with it? And leave this place with a plan, not just an amen. Write it down. Practice it. Do something with it. I was talking to somebody just last week um, and, and whose husband went to Men's Advance and they were telling me that the, the plan that they have is once a month, I think, once a month, they get on the Men's Advance website and listen to every sermon again so they can be reminded of the things that they heard. That's their plan. And then they're, they're implementing things they hear from those messages into their daily lives. I'm telling you, that's a doer right there. That we don't just hear a message and we hear the amen and we leave and we don't ever do anything. No, we take that truth and we do something with it. And listen, I just this is the whole idea tonight. What a shame if we get through the book of James and all the truth that we've been confronted with and we find ourselves still hearing only. I mean, when the whole point of this book is to produce works from your faith. What a shame if we get through this and, when, and we don't respond to God's word by doing. And if, we, if that's still us, then we've missed the whole message. How are you doing? Not how you doing. No, how are you doing? You remember the importance of, of enduring trials? We talked about that. If you're still impatient... When things go wrong and you lose your cool when you don't get your way, you miss James' message. Have you been given in to the lust of your flesh? He talked about that in James chapter 1. You think those lusts are going to satisfy you. But in reality, you have forgotten that God is good and his gifts are good enough for you. And husbands, what you have in your wife is everything you need. And wives, what you have in your husband is everything you need because God gave it to you. And teenagers, what you have in your life right now, God knew you were going to be there. Those that are single, God knew you'd be in that position. And he has given you everything you need to say God is good and his gifts are good enough for me. If you've forgotten about that truth, then you miss James' message. What about your treatment of others? If you're treating other people with partiality, meaning that you treat certain people one way and others a different way, then you miss the message. You're a hearer only. When it comes to your faith, is it a verbal thing or is it a visible thing? Uh, in other words, is there any evidence of your faith outside of what you say? Because if there's not, then you miss James' message. 
How about your tongue? I mean, we spent countless sermons on the tongue and has it gotten better? Are you any kinder? Do you resist the urge to lash out when you're frustrated? Or if somebody was just to listen to your conversation now and and compare it to what it was before James, if it all sounds the same, then we're hearers only. And hearers only don't get blessed. Are you operating by worldly wisdom or God's wisdom? I mean, who are you taking your cues from? Teenagers, who, de- who determines your fashion choices? I mean, who determines how you do your hair? Uh, where are you taking your cues from? I mean, wh- where, you, where do you get your idea of what, what, a, what the kind of attitude you want is? Uh, where are you taking your cues from? Because if you're taking them from the world, worldly wisdom instead of godly wisdom, the Bible says that worldly wisdom leads to spiritual death. And too many of us are taking our cues from worldly wisdom. And if we're doing that, we have missed James' message. How about how you treat other believers? Are there wars and fightings going on? If there are, there's a disconnect between hearing and doing, and we can't be blessed. If you're facing affliction, you're trying to figure it out without prayer, then you're not a doer and you've missed the message. Listen, my message, my point tonight is don't just be an auditor. Enroll in the class. Be a doer. Do something different. You know what I'm talking about tonight? I'm talking about change. That's what James says. If you have true faith, there will be change in your life. You can't hide it. It's like you couldn't hide change any more than a butterfly coming out of cocoon. Because that butterfly has been transformed. And if you have heard God's word and it has made change in you, it will be evident in your life and in your works. God's ability to bless us is limited by our choices to do or not. So how's that part going for you? Has anything changed? Are you still fighting the same battles as when we started, James? And how's your walk with God? Moms and dads, how's your patience at home? How are your words? How are your interactions with people that you may not just get along with? If you have heard and you haven't done, then you are deceived and not blessed. If you have heard and not done, then you are deceived and not blessed. And I believe this, if anybody needs a warning about the dangers of deception because of hearing and not doing, it's us. Because I look around this room and I'm thankful for it, but almost everybody in this room hears a lot of truth. And you're in church Sunday morning for Sunday school, Sunday morning for the main service, usually Sunday night, usually Wednesday night. And if you're here at all those services, then you are hearing truth preach because we always have a message. Which means we are the most likely to be deceived. If you're looking at the Christian yearbook, most likely to. Most likely to be deceived. Because the more truth you hear, the more likely you are to be deceived. Because you just hear and never do. So just consider. Every encounter with God's word leads to one of two places. Deception or blessing. You see, uh, hearers are deceived. Doers are blessed. Which one do you want to be? Uh, this week, I, I just want to say I'm especially thankful for, do, thankful for doers. 
I mean, VBS is, to me, I love the week of VBS because there's not a week where more people at Eastside are being doers than the week of VBS. I'm thankful for our teachers and helpers. I'm thankful for the patience and the teaching and the study and the preparation. Many of them, listen, many of them were tired from work. They had other things to do that they said no to so that they could come here and teach your kids and invest in your kids. And they were here instead. And I just want to tell all the teachers and helpers this. God blesses doers. I'm thankful for the guys that built the decorations. You know, the castle was great. And there's a lot, there are guys involved in that that have full-time jobs and other responsibilities. One of them has a bad back right now. I'm not going to tell you who it is. But he was up here working away on that thing, and it was awesome. And I just want to remind you, if you're involved in the decor, the decoration, and the building, um, doers, God blesses doers. I'm not saying that we always have the right motives and everything, we are always perfect. No, it doesn't say that. It doesn't talk about um, if you have to do it perfect every time and you have to have the right motive every time. No, I'm just saying in general, God blesses the doers. I'm thankful for the, the ladies that worked registration. I mean, they had their hands full. I mean, chaos ensued. I mean, everyone shows up at the same time and... People don't have paperwork, and you're trying to dismiss kids, and I mean, it's like a stampede, a herd of wild animals, you know. Those ladies' registration, they're tired. You're tired. I know. And it was chaotic at times. But I just want to remind you that God blesses doers. I think about all the helpers in the classes. God blesses doers. All the floaters walking around and knocking on the doors to let us know it's snack time and hurting the cats. God bless his doers. All the people, all the crafty people, whatever that means, all the little crafts that the kids were making, and I don't, I can't do that stuff. I would just give them a popsicle stick and glue and say, make something. God bless his doers. All the ladies that put work in on the snacks, I'm telling you, there were a lot of work, there was a lot of work and effort go, that went into the snacks. And you know, my, any snack, any VBS I've ever been at before, they they literally like throw a, a pile of they throw bus cookies in a pile in the dirt and say, "Go get your cookies," you know. Well, here it's like creative and cute and fancy, and it has air conditioning and like four wheel drive, and it's like fancy. And I'm thankful for it. We have the best snacks, I think, of any VBS. God bless his doers. The media and sound guys, if you weren't up there, nobody could hear us. God bless his doers. The guys that will have to go to the chiropractor this week from carrying those penny buckets. God bless his doers. Be you warmed and filled. I'm not paying for your bills. The skit people, I mean, Brother Samuel... Forcing himself into that dragon costume that barely fit. God better bless us. <laughs> you know, the skit people, uh, the guys, interns, they wrote those skits and practiced them, and God bless his doers. 
Uh, and I, I mean, just one after another, all of these things. It was an exhausting week, and it was tiring, and yet we had some young people that placed their faith in Christ this week, and that makes it all worth it, because God blesses doers. And I'm thankful that we have a church full of doers. I just want to say thank you. you. You may have a reason maybe you couldn't do this week, and I'm not talking about those that weren't doing this week as much as I am highlighting those that were doing this week but I just do, I do have to say, make sure that the reason you didn't do something this week is not because it's a habit. It's not because you've grown used to hearing and you think that's good enough. I mean, you, many of you had reasons why you couldn't, and you've got other things on a weekly basis you're doing, and I'm thankful for that. But for those of us who, when an event comes and goes and we say, well, I didn't do anything for that, and a week comes and goes and I say, I didn't do anything this week, and a service comes and goes and I say, I didn't do anything this week, and, and a month goes by and there's nothing extra that we're doing, those are the ones I want to challenge tonight. I, we, have, we have the need of classes to be taught and helpers in Sunday school. And, and, and yet, I mean, I wonder how many people come and just take in but don't ever give out. We need some doers. I mean, it's easy sometimes at Bible school week to say, I'll be a doer in the big things. And it's hard to be a doer when it comes to the weekly things because that's where the rubber meets the road. You have to be consistent. And, and maybe you don't have a place or maybe you're not serving. Listen, there is a place for everybody. We just need to find what it is for you, what you're passionate about. But I just want to encourage you this week. If you want a life that's blessed, be a doer. Take what you hear and start doing something with it. Don't just hear. Don't just be an auditor. Be a doer. Get in the game. I'm telling you, there's blessings abundant for the people that hear and say, I'm going to go do something with that truth. And I want everybody to live a life that's blessed. I want you to be blessed. I, want you, I don't want you to be deceived. I want you to be blessed. And if you want to be blessed, why don't you tonight say, I'm done being a doer. I'm sorry. I'm done being an auditor. It's time to be a doer. I want to get involved. I want to get in the game. And, and maybe I've been sitting too long or maybe I've just kind of been coasting. It could be that you're a doer and your heart's not in it. And I'm gonna, I just want to encourage you, don't get burned out by doing. You know, there's a daily replenishing that takes place. Though the outward man perish, the Bible says, Paul says, the inward man can be renewed day by day. And if you're, if you're doing and your heart's not in it, then take some steps to avoid burnout because that's not worth it either. But tonight, let's stop being auditors. Let's be doers. Let, let's contribute. Because, I mean, I just wonder how much more blessing could have gone around if we'd have had more people that said, I'm going to be a doer this week. Let me encourage you, stop auditing and enroll. Be a doer. Let's pray.